Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Unbothered Podcast with Josh Ranney. Today, I'll be talking about Tom Brady joining Fox when he is done playing in the NFL. A couple of games have been announced for this upcoming season so far in wake of the full NFL schedule coming out on Thursday. I react to a couple of those big matchups. Then I'm going to talk about Nikola Jocic winning MVP, and if he was truly uh, deserving of that or not, then, you know, the Warriors edging the Grizzlies late last night, 76ers heat tonight, Mavericks, uh, Suns as well go into those games, and then NHL playoffs, Islanders fire their head coach Barry Trotz, Avalanche sweep their opponents, Penguins put the Rangers, Rangers on the brink, and much more on today, unbothered. So let's start off with Tom Brady joining Fox when he is done playing in the NFL, whether that be after this year or maybe a couple years, but he has signed a deal with Fox. What happens to be the most lucrative in sports broadcasting history, 10 years, 37 and a half or 10 years, $375 million contract, which averages out to $37.5 million per year, which is, you know, more. That 10-year contract that he signed is more than his career earnings over his 23-year playing career, and it's more per year than he ever got playing in the NFL on a per year basis. So no matter what, Brady is going to get his bag. So congratulations to Tom. Congratulations to Fox Network for getting a huge piece, a huge draw for TV ratings. I believe uh, since it is the NFL, it's never truly down. But with Tom in the booth in a couple years or even next year, that's going to be a massive pull to watch games on Fox. Uh, you know, I believe he'll do a great job of it. I love listening to Tony Romo. Wasn't a great player, but he does a tremendous job in the broadcast booth. So, again, congratulations to Tom Brady. But as he said, he is excited about this. But he's got a lot of unfinished business on the field with the Buccaneers. So, yes, it is exciting, but what's more exciting is the fact that they are trying to win another Super Bowl, and Tom Brady is trying to win number eight, unprecedented in the NFL, as was seven, but this is the GOAT we are talking about, Tom Brady, so we're going to see. It's going to be great. I'm excited to watch another year of Tom Brady, and I'm also excited to hear him in the broadcast booth as well. So again, once again, congratulations to Tom. Now a couple of games that have been announced. Broncos, the new Denver Broncos, the revamped Broncos, led by Russell Wilson, will be playing the Rams on Christmas Day. Rams host that matchup in which will uh, should be a thriller. I'm expecting that to be a tremendous matchup. 
on Christmas. Big day for the NFL in recent years. A lot of television viewers. All eyes on that game. It's deep into the season, Christmas Day. To me, both teams are going to be playoff teams. Uh, it could. This could potentially be a Super Bowl preview. This could be, you know, a deciding factor into each team's division. So this is a big game. And the familiar the familiarity there with Russell Wilson, this Rams team uh, going against each other, the fact that he's played Aaron Donald twice a year for a number of years now, Jalen Ramsey, you know, big matchups that they've had over the course of his career. And then also the fact that Russell Orbit, uh, Bobby Wagner is now a uh, Ram. You also have that underlying uh, storyline as well. You know, former friends now playing against each other, Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, former teammates. Uh, so this is going, I think, to be one of the best matchups all year long. This is what I'm looking forward to, contemplating going uh, to this game as well. This will be, I think, just terrific. Uh, not making any crazy prediction right now, but I might be smelling a Bronco victory in the future. I like how the Broncos match up with this team. I like Russell and his ability. I don't think Russell was ever a problem against the Rams. Always thought it was more of a Pete Carroll problem. So... I believe Russ will cook. He's got the weapons, uh, and you've got a stronger running game. You've got a stronger offensive line. You won't be running for his life defensively. They're there as well. Uh, so, tremendous matchup. This is one I am looking forward to. A couple other matchups that were announced yesterday by you know ESPN, ABC, the Week 2 NFL Monday night matchup. Titans and Bills, part of a doubleheader with the Eagles-Vikings. That Titans-Bills game is one I am just used to by now, as I believe they played the past four years in a row. I think this will be the fifth year. Uh, Titans-Bills matchup, it seems to always be a Monday night game. Last year, Monday night, Titans eked out a close, close win because the Bills did not kick the field goal with no time left. They went for it on fourth goal, and they did not get it. Big, big game it was uh, for later implications for seeding. And then the year before, you had the infamous uh, stiff arm, uh, Derrick Henry, Josh Norman. Uh, Titans, to me, have dominated this series as of recently. So this Monday night game should be terrific now that it's in Buffalo. But Derrick Henry, fully back healthy now after half a year off. How will he look against this Bills uh, defense who have added Von Miller, who have had the number one defense last year, presumably got better. This should be a fantastic matchup. Titans no longer have A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Julio Jones also had one of the best catches last year that I believe went off one of the safeties, either a Poyer or Hyde's helmet, bounced up in the air. Julio Jones caught it. I mean, this game, you know, Something happens every time these two teams play, it seems like. So I don't expect anything different with this matchup. Uh, this is one I'm definitely looking forward to. 
And then you have the Eagles-Vikings. Uh, of course, the storyline here is Eagles passed on Justin Jefferson, landed with the Vikings. Uh, so you're always going to have that. But you also have the Eagles now have A.J. Brown, stellar wide receiver, uh, drafted good with Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean. Vikings, a new regime now, no longer is Mike Zimmer the head coach. Uh, they got O'Connell from the Rams, so is he going to implement a Ram-style offense? How is that going to look with the Vikings, uh, with Con Artist Kirk at quarterback? This is a primetime game, and Con Artist Kirk, this is how he's got his moniker as Con Artist Kirk, is that he doesn't show up in big games. Doesn't show up in primetime games last year. Lost to Cooper Rush in the Sunday night matchup. So, do I expect the Vikings to get a win here? No, I do not. I do not expect that at all. Early pick, definitely the Eagles. uh, Because Con Artist Kirk is going to show you who Con Artist Kirk is. This is a man with zero playoff victories. Seems to always get guaranteed money. And I don't know what for. Uh, I am lost for words at this point how Kirk Cousins still gets these big contracts for doing absolutely nothing, being a fraudulent quarterback back there. Uh, You know, vastly overrated. Uh, So, again, going with the Eagles. But again, should be a big matchup in how we this year have a couple of Monday night doubleheaders. This is one of them. Week two NFL Monday night. So some great games. It'll be another announced tomorrow. Uh, And then I believe uh, Sunday night, the first opening game will be announced sometime Thursday morning. And then you have the full schedule release, 8 o'clock Eastern to get the full slate and tickets as well. Now moving on to the NBA. Where Nikola Jocic has won MVP in what happens to be another travesty. Uh, NBA travesty. It's just terrible. That he had won MVP this year. Uh, And when you look at the efficiency numbers of PER, if you want to go into advanced analytics, how great Jokic was. That, oh, you know, he was able to be the sixth seed, you know, with no Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr. Well, that's nice. Uh because I don't believe you should have won MVP at all. Uh, Yeah, you averaged, I believe, 27, uh, 13, and 8, whatever it was. Great offensive numbers. But defensively, he is a liability. He is. His hustle, a liability. That's who he is. Nikola Jocic, to me, is not even the best center of the game, and it's terrible. He won this MVP award because if you just look at the efficiency ratings, he'll probably win it next year too. And the year after that, it's Nikola Jocic's award. He might end up like the Aaron Rodgers, you know, where you win MVPs, 
but you can never win championships. So in the end, what does it mean? To me, not much. Uh, doesn't mean much to me at all. And it just taints the MVP award even more because where is success determined? It is determined by postseason, uh, by championships. So let's take a look at it. Jocic won this award yesterday. And guess what? He hasn't been playing for like about a week now. His team lost 4-1 to one to the Warriors and we're lucky that they didn't get swept. Year before, you beat Damian Lillard in the first round. And then you got swept by the Phoenix Suns and you won this award after you got swept. So two years in a row, you have not been playing when you have got this award. So now let's look at the MVPs of other past winners. Oh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You won it back-to-back years before Jokic won it back-to-back. What has Giannis done since that time? Well, he has added a MB, uh, finals MVP to his resume, a championship. Uh, one of those years he won MVP, he also won Defensive Player of the Year as well. Uh, you know, both times he had good playoff runs, one loss in the you know, Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the other was a loss, you know, in the semifinals. So Giannis has been great. LeBron has won it back-to-back times twice in his career. And deep playoff runs, Eastern Conference Finals, Finals, Finals MVP. LeBron, you know, don't need to go on with his accolades. Kevin Durant won multiple championships. So when you think of the names LeBron, Giannis, Kevin Durant, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Tim Duncan. Would you put those names? Would you associate Nikola Jocic with those names? Because frankly, I don't. I don't put Nikola Jocic on the same level as a Giannis. On the same level as a LeBron. Is the same level as a KD, as a Steph even, who also won back-to-back MVPs. I don't put Nikola Jocic in the same tier as those players. He is not as valuable to his team as those other players I named are to their respective teams. To me, he's not as skilled. I watch him play. And when I watch uh, LeBron play and other people play, Nikola Jocic's level is just not there. So I do have a problem with Jokic winning in the MVP because I don't put him in the echelon of the LeBrons, of the KDs, of the Giannis, of the Currys, of the Duncans, of the Michael Jordans, of the Kobe Bryants. Not on that level. It's a travesty that he won it. It's turning into a sham of the MVP award now. What makes it terrible is that Joel Embiid should have won it because he was facing similar that Jokic did. Because guess what? Embiid didn't have his running mate and Ben Simmons 
basically sat through a trade deadline. And what did Joel Embiid do? Well, he led the league in scoring this year at 30 points per game as a center. Uh, he also had like 11 rebounds, so averaging like 30, 11, and 5 for a center. That's pretty good. He was dominant. He had a bunch of 40-point games this year. To me, he was on another level when locked in defensively. To me, he's more of a vicious defender. Van Jokic is, uh, and like I said, he didn't have his top weapon in Ben Simmons. Maxi turned into a star, but Maxi was an unknown before this year. We didn't know what Maxi was going to do, but he thrived playing along Nikola or uh, with Joel Embiid, and that's what MVP, MVPs do. They make your team better. Joel Embiid's team was better than Nikola Jokic's team. He his play was better. He elevated the play of his teammates as well. He was the leader, the vocal leader. Won a playoff series, which Nikola Jokic did not do this year. He has came back, missed two games against the Heat, which I want to talk about, and he evened up the series against them. Pivotal game five tonight. But what has Jokic done in his postseason career? Absolutely nothing. Went to the conference finals once, uh, and that was in the bubble. And Anthony Davis absolutely took that man to school. When Embiid plays... I like Embiid more than him. Giannis has dominated Jokic. So when the marbles, when it's all on the table, give me a lot of other big men before I take Jokic. To me, this award is just a joke now is the MVP in the NFL and almost other every other MVP award. Uh, the narrative changes just to fit who they want. So to me, it's a complete and utter joke that Jokic one MVP. Monty Williams, coach of the Phoenix Suns, won coach of the year. Wasn't surprised by that. My vote would have gone to the Memphis Grizzlies coach, Chris Jenkins, who I thought did terrific. You know, last year was a play-in team, went all the way to the two seed, and not only that, but just had the second best, best record in the NBA and without their star player, John Morant, they were 20 and five, uh, which showed how good of a coach that he was. I thought Eric Bolster was great, but I thought Chris Jenkins was good. I'm fine with Monty Williams getting the award. I'm not going to argue that because he had the best record in the NBA. Uh, his team did. He's been a fantastic coach uh, with them. You know, the past two years, uh, they've had the most wins with him under the helm. So, He's been terrific. I won't take anything away uh, from Monty Williams. I just thought Chris Jenkins uh, was a little bit more uh, deserving of the award. Uh, but again, congratulations uh, to Monty Williams for winning Coach of the Year. Now time to get into some actual NBA games. Yesterday, the Celtics evened up the series when they exploded with a 43-point fourth quarter uh, to make up a deficit, outscored the Bucks by 15 points uh, to win by eight. And that was 
a gut-wrenching loss. It was heartbreaking that Milwaukee lost to them in style. Boston, no Robert Williams playing. Uh, Jason Tatum didn't start to heat up till the fourth quarter. Al Horford, you like it a 30-piece on you. Giannis wasn't that efficient, 32 shots to get 34 points. I thought Brooks Lopez was fine. Uh, but this is one Milwaukee. They just let slip away uh, uh, most of the game and to let Al Horford have his career-high playoff game against you. It just can't happen. Giannis has got to lock in defensively and say, I'll suffer on the offensive end, uh, but I can't be having Al Horford do this to me and my team. He can't take it over. And Al Horford, Al Horford took this game over. Uh, there was nothing they could do to stop him. He was a shooter of threes. He was five of seven uh, from three-point land. He only missed three shots. Two of those were three. Uh, he had a terrific game, efficient, efficient, uh, he was the best. You look like the best player on the court last night, outside of Giannis, and that's a problem. Uh, but for the Bucks, this is one they should have been up three-one. Series is at two-two. Giannis has been, you know, I think, been great throughout this whole series. Uh, Brooks Lopez has been good, uh, but they're, you know, role players. They got to be more consistent. Pat Connaughton. He's got to be more consistent. Grayson Allen, who started last night, has to be more consistent. Bobby Portis, when he's in the game, has to make more contributions. Uh, and Drew Holiday has to be better. He's He's been trash uh, this series. He looks like a buck. He looks like a deer in headlights is what he looks like. Five of 22 last night. One of six. He drives in uh, to the rim. He drives to the basket. And he just looks lost, driving to kick out. And... You know, at least with Giannis driving into the basket, Giannis is going to get double teamed, so you'll usually have a wide-open guy for Giannis to pass it to. Drew Holiday, you don't get that offensive respect or dominance. So if you're not finding your shot, you're absolutely lost. He just jumps up, looks for a pass. He's taking bad shots. Drew Holiday is costing his team possessions on the offensive side of the ball. It can't happen. He needs to play a lot better if they're going to win two of the final three games. It is now a best of three series. Uh, but defensively, they're going to have to play better as well. They're going to have to lock in uh, and just shoot the ball a little better. Uh, Boston shot 50% from the field, 38% from three. Uh, Bucks 41% from the field, 33% from three. Uh they're going to have to prove that free throws is a big thing. That's been Giannis's weakest link throughout this playoffs has been the free throw shooting. Uh, Boston shooting 90% to Milwaukee's 78%. But I do like how Milwaukee is, you know, out-rebounding them, getting extra possessions, extra shots, uh, not turning the ball over as much, getting points of the paint, not fouling. It's just a matter of knocking down shots, uh, playing a little bit more consistent defense, especially in the fourth quarter, because you can't let Boston score 43 points. And they did a terrific job defensively all game, the Bucks did. You know, first quarter, 18. Second quarter, 29. Third quarter, 26. You know, you get another 30-point uh, fourth quarter. The Celtics do. You still win this game. 
but should go out and let him get 43. Al Horford having his best game. Jason Tatum uh, making key shots down there at the end. Uh, so Milwaukee has to do better. They have to improve. They've got a couple more games left to do it. Uh, but this series is tight. I said Bucks in seven, and I'm still sticking with it. Am I concerned? I'm about 50-50 uh, with this pick right now. Uh, I really hope that the Bucks pull it out. Uh, this is a team I'm really pulling for. I'm pulling for Giannis. But I am more nervous, you know, waking up today picking the Bucks than I was yesterday uh, picking the Bucks because I thought they had it, and this is one they let slip away. Now time to go to the dramatic Warriors-Grizzlies series. Now there's a lot I want to talk about before I even get to the score of last night's game. And as a side note, John Morant did not play in this game. Game three, Dylan Brooks was suspended for a flagrant two that he got on Gary Payton. So he was suspended game three. Then in game three, just an utter blowout. Golden State almost had like a historic night shooting. They could not miss. Played terrific. And Ja got injured. Ja got injured, you know, which I believe, and the Grizzlies believe, it was from a pull on the knee that Jordan Poole committed. Now, it's funny. It's funny because John Morant tweeted after the game, broke the code, and then he deleted it. So there's been all this drama. But I agree uh, with him because when you look at the replay, Jordan Poole is not going for the ball. You, you already, I believe, Clay was in there. If it's not Clay, somebody else was in there fighting for the ball. So you had Jordan Poole go for his leg and pull his knee. Now, last time I checked, once you once you feel somebody's leg, you know that ain't the ball. So once you feel it, you got to wrap your other arm around it and then pull. Uh, to me, it makes no sense. Jordan Poole should have been suspended for this game, just like Dylan Brooks was, because he injured somebody. He injured someone, but the league didn't want to have it. The league wants to protect Steph Curry and the Warriors because they want them to advance because the ratings benefit Golden State and not Memphis. So you had Curry asking that game saying, people accusing Jordan Poole of injuring him. It's total BS. Nothing was meant because it's funny. Because, of course, when it's your team, you're going to deny it. But when it's, you know, when the shoe's on the other foot uh, or when the rabbit's got the gun, that's when you're going to make a big deal about it. So to me, the series has been uh, drama escalated between the game one flagrant two of uh, Draymond Green, where he hit Clark upside the head, dragged him down, easily could have been a suspension. And then you have Dylan Brooks get the flagrant two, gets ejected, and he gets suspended. And then Jordan Poole gets no punishment at all. So it's been a complete and utter joke. Uh, this has, and, you know, and to me, it's, it made me forget about the Warriors. Uh, you know, I forgot about the Warriors the past couple of years. I remember, you know, when they won uh, three out of four years. But, you know, last year, 
Grizzlies beat them in the play-in. They don't make the playoffs the year before that. They don't make the playoffs. So the Warriors don't bother you after a while because, uh. but now I'm remembering why I, when I was rooting for LeBron in Cleveland, why I dislike the Warriors so much when Draymond Green is bumping his gums and beating his chest, you know, after everything, when you only score two points, you take one shot because you're afraid to shoot. When you got Steph Curry, who was awful, uh, 25 shots to get 32 points, nine of those were free throws. You shot four of 14 from the field, and you're doing victory laps over here when you just be a jawless, morantless team. It's a complete, it's a complete joke uh, to me. Uh, and to me, it's sad because the Grizzlies should have won this game. They were up the whole game until the final uh, two minutes. I thought Jaron Jackson was great uh, last night. Steven Adams, great as well. Double-double, 10 points. 15 rebounds. Tyus Jones uh, was good. But who was the worst offender? Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks trying to play hero ball, who was booed on every time he touched the ball who maybe was trying to avenge his one-game suspension, trying to take too many bad shots. And that's why he was 5 of 19 from a field, 2 of 9 from 3. You need to know when it's not your night, and it wasn't his night uh, to shoot the ball at all. He He was terrible. He was terrible last night. Some of his shots, his shot selection at the end, cost the Memphis Grizzlies this game, uh, and you handed it to the Warriors, who Warriors have no business starting Kaminga for five minutes and replacing him. Uh, you know, Jordan Poole wasn't that good last night, 14 points. Clay Thompson didn't even make a three. Uh, he was terrible. Uh, but Golden State won by three, they're being 101-90 because Memphis took too many bad shots. And, you know, it's sad because they were – you know, a percent better than from, from the field, a percent better from three. Uh, but when you miss six free throws and you shoot 60% from the line and you get out-rebounded, when you have Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams on the court, uh, you can't do that. Uh, that just cannot happen. You've got to get more offensive boards uh, than that. And for Memphis, who led this whole game, like I said, led it all the way down to the end. Uh, you know, no Steve Curry coaching to allow Golden State to win this game, you know, is a joke. Memphis, see you next year. It's over. I don't think you've got a LeBron-esque 3-1 uh, comeback in your arsenal. I believe Memphis, next game's in Memphis, they'll play their hearts out, they'll make it respectable. I believe it might actually win that, but then I think the Warriors close them out in six back at Oracle. Uh, Memphis has just made too many mistakes. Uh, the first game, you know, John missed the layup there at the end. They had too many turnovers and a historic shooting night. And then last night, Golden State, you know, had an ice-cold shooting night, and Memphis itself could not shoot anything and took so many uh, bad shot. So now the Warriors are here. But when I watch the Warriors play, I don't think they're any match 
for what I've seen the Mavericks do the last two games or the Suns do the two games before that. I think the Mavericks or the Suns will be coming out of the West now, especially if the Warriors win, uh, because Luka Doncic has proved too much for Golden State this year. Uh, and then the Suns, to me, can match the depth of a Warrior. So I don't think the Warriors are making it to the NBA Finals. And now I'm actively rooting against Golden State. It's another team I've added to my list to actively root against. You know, the only team I had left to, you know, root against was the Suns. But now the Warriors have decided to join my list. And, you know, the teams were dwindling down. I was fine with it. The Nets lost. The Hawks lost. But now Golden State has entered the chat, and I have to root against him. I will be rooting my heart out for Memphis, even though I don't think he'll pull it off. I hope Jod comes in and plays uh, if the injury, you know, if what he does on the court uh, won't further injure his knee. But again, rooting for Memphis. Now tonight, you got two games. First, the 76ers and the Heat. The Heat had a commanding 2-0 lead. And then all of a sudden, Joel Embiid comes in. Miami looks lost. Jimmy Butler scores 33, but they lose by 20. They only score 79 points. Uh, the team looks pathetic. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler's like the only player in double figures. Uh, then, you know, the following game, last game he played, Jimmy Butler put up a 40-piece, but it was too much. Joel Embiid at 24. James Harden turned back the clock and scored 31, shot 6 of 10 from 3, uh, was great. And now we've got ourselves a series. as It's 2-2. It's back in Miami. This is a big game tonight. Embiid has showed to me why he's the MVP, because the first two games, the Sixers looked helpless. And the next in these past two games, the 76ers have looked like a team that can go to the NBA Finals with Joel Embiid because he has been that guy that big time. But I'm picking the Heat to win this game. Very, you know, uh, is trepidous a word? Is that the word I'm looking for? Uh, I'm worried about it. One thing I'm worried about is they can't really shoot the three ball. Jimmy Butler is not a sharpshooter, not known for that. He can get hot on occasion. Tyler Hero can get hot on occasion. But when you're relying on Struess and Vincent to knock down your three-point shots, it's terrible. You can't have that. Uh, it's, to me, shocking that Duncan Robinson has only played like five minutes of this series. The past two games was a coach's decision, did not play. I want to know what's going on with Duncan Robinson. This is a man that won you the first game against the Hawks when he was like 8 of 9 or 9 of 10 from the three-point lane, didn't only missed you know, one shot, uh, was terrific, is one of the best three-point shooters in the league, an absolute marksman. And I get that Eric Spolstra, his philosophy is defense. Uh, 
but you need some offense and you need a reliable guy. So you don't need to start Duncan, uh, but put him in there to shoot some shots because if he sees the first two or three go in and he's feeling it and he's in rhythm, he's going to keep on making them uh, all night because that's, you know, the type of shooter that he is. If he misses the first two or three, it's not his night. Uh, fine, take him out. But you can't just have that on the bench. That is hurting the Miami Heat by not playing Duncan Robinson uh, because they got no one they truly respect their out on the three-point line uh, to consistently knock down uh, shots. So that's a problem for the Miami Heat. It's now 2-2, and they're in real trouble tonight with Joel Embiid, Kyle Lowry not playing tonight. And if James Harden plays the part like he did last week, then the 76ers can steal yet another game and take the series lead going back up to Philly. I don't think Miami wants that. This is a big game tonight. I'm picking the Heat to win, but I am not confident about this pick at all. I had the Heat winning in six, five or six. I think they still can win in six. But in order to do that, they've got to win tonight. And my confidence level in Miami is a lot lower than my confidence level in Milwaukee, if I'm 50-50 with Milwaukee right now and my confidence in them is a five, my confidence in Miami is about a three right now playing against Joel Embiid, who I think is playing with a chip on his shoulder, especially tonight knowing that Jokic won the MVP. I think Joel Embiid could play with a little extra something, a little extra sauce, a little chip on his shoulder tonight, uh, you know, come out and prove that, hey, I can I can just see it right now that you know they win this game, post game conference or report that you know I'm the MVP. This is you know what I do or you know he makes some subtweet about it. That's what I see uh, tonight, and that's what worries me. You know, for the Miami Heat, I'm picking the Heat still. I'm rolling with them still, but I'm nervous. Next up, Mavericks and Suns is also tonight. Suns had a 2-0 lead. I thought this game was this series was going to go seven. Dallas stunk up the joint the first two games, so I was kind of going back on it. I you know I'm not surprised if Phoenix could go, you know, sweep them. But here I am, you know, my initial prediction that I, you know, stuck with that Suns and seven. I think will still come to fruition. I think the Suns win tonight, but this is a team I'm also worried about. Uh, I'm happy it's at home for the Suns. If it was away, they'd probably lose this game because Chris Paul is not the same player on the road that he is away. Fouled out last game. Uh, didn't play well at all other than Devin Booker. You know, in Dallas, the team uh, did not play well. DeAndre Adam was just all right. Uh, Jay Crowder has not been good. Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, uh, Luka Doncic is just cooking. So this has been a tough, you know, grinded out series. Uh, Jalen Brunson the past two games 
has stepped up what I said he needs to do for them to get back in the series. And that's what he did. He's scoring, you know, 20 points back-to-back, and that's what Dallas, that's what Luka needs. He can't have Jalen go out there and get eight points and Luka gets 50. You know, he needs, you know, Luka needs to get his 30 points, but he also needs Brunson to get, you know, 20. And Luka needs to assist on uh, quite a lot of those, but you had Penny Smith as well. Shooting sides, Reggie Bullock. So this Mavericks team has improved. It's shown why they were one of the better teams in the second half, why Luka was an MVP candidate, why they evened up the series here with Phoenix. Uh, So this game, Game 5 tonight, another series that is yet 2-2. Pivotal Game 5. I'm picking the Phoenix Suns to win. I still have confidence. This is probably the team I have the most confidence in. I think Chris Paul, you know, he's a little rattled right now, a little nervous. Uh, To me, he doesn't have the championship makeup in his DNA. He doesn't have championship DNA. Of course, that's evident because he's not a champion. Uh, But this is, to me, going to be a hard-fight game. It's going to be one. By defense, Jason Kidd, who called out Luka Doncic by saying, you know, they're going to target him in pick and roll. He's got to, you know, do a little bit better. And Luka has responded. He has stepped up his defense. He has stepped up his play. Uh, And that's what I want to see from Luka. He's got the skill set, the intangibles to be a superstar. Uh, But to me, this is just two teams and two players that mirror itself, Chris Paul, Cheap shot artist who also knows how to flop. Master flop artist that can win Academy Awards for how he flops. Luca has learned from him. So these two teams are calling it out how, you know, they're both flopping. And it's true. Both these players flop. So when both teams are doing it, nothing's happening. Uh, it doesn't bother me uh, when we're both getting into it. And this has been a great series. But I expect the Suns to win tonight, and I expect to have the Suns, you know, win in seven uh, still uh, this series. Some other NBA news. Apparently, Jeannie Buss is disappointed with her Los Angeles Lakers. She said that when you go into the luxury tax, you know, you are the fourth highest spending team in the league. You expect a deep playoff run. So, you know, it is disappointing. And Jeannie Buss, I couldn't agree more. You handed over a lot of control to one Rob Linka and one LeBron James, and it burned you. It helped you a couple years ago win a championship. But this year, it absolutely burned you because there is no way out of this when you have a three big contracts an aging LeBron James, who to me is still a top five player, a Anthony Davis, who is always hurt, and a Russell Westbrook, who just can't shoot to save his own life or the lives of others. So Jeannie Buss, I am sorry for you that this happened. Again, I'm disappointed too uh, with the Lakers season. And when you spend that kind of money, I agree, you expect a playoff run. 
And there's a lot of things the Lakers have to change. I start by trading AD. That's one piece I would trade. I would ship Russell Westbrook out of there, whatever it takes. I'd find whatever shooters I could scrounge up to get over here and play with LeBron because LeBron is his best when he is playing with shooters, when he was playing with a Ray Allen, with a Kyle Korver, with a J.R. Smith, who's on point, that's when he is playing his best, like Kyrie Irving. Uh, it isn't with a Russell Westbrook who's ball dominant. So Lakers, there is a lot to fix, you know, if they expect to have another long uh, playoff run. And then in other amusing news, Rudy Gobert says he would have locked Shaq up. Now, that was one of the funniest things, this kind of banter going on with Shaq and Gobert. You know, you had Shaq say he's not worth the amount of money that he received, and he told everyone that, hey, you can score 11 points and get a $200 million deal. Uh, Gobert says he would have locked Shaq up. Shaq responded by saying, yeah, he'd score 12 points in three or four minutes. And, of course, I am siding with Shaq on this one. Shaq, one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant offensive forces in the game, would have obliterated Rudy Gobert. I see Rudy Gobert and his, I believe, three defensive players of the year that he won. Those are all fraudulent. Those are terrible. Those are gifted to him because he's advertised as a rim protector, but come late game playoff games, he is a liability defensively when teams go small because he can't switch. He can't guard the perimeter. He just stands there as a statue in the post because that's all he does. And when you have, you know, players go in dunking on you, Ben Simmons dropping 40 on you, and, you know, so many players have dunked over Rudy. Rudy's been on the wrong side of a lot of posters. It wouldn't surprise me. Like Shaq said, he would get 12 points in three or four minutes. And I'd expect a 50-piece on Rudy Gobert's head because Rudy Gobert could not handle Shaq in this universe or any other universe. Uh, Gobert needs to stay quiet with this one, uh, where he's at, because he is shown to be the ultimate team liability the past couple years. To me, the Jazz look better in the playoffs without Rudy Gobert playing. It's plain and simple. I don't want Rudy Gobert playing. I don't want Rudy on my team. I hate Rudy on Utah. Rudy would be the perfect fit for a, I can't say the Sacramento Kings because I don't think Mike Brown, the new coach here, again, congratulations to Mike Brown, but I don't think he'd want him. Uh, he'd be better suited on like the Magic. Uh, that's where Rudy Gobert, I think his skill set would really flourish there on a team like the Orlando Magic. Now moving on to the NHL. The New York Islanders have fired Barry Trotz, and to me, what was a very surprising, yes, they did not make the playoffs this year, but can you blame Barry Trotz? Because of the new stadium build, you had to start your first 13 games on the road. You had to deal with a plethora of injuries and COVID uh, breakouts. So it was interesting that they fired Barry Trotz who, uh, before this year, but past two consecutive years, went to the Eastern Conference Finals 
and you know they lost to the eventual champion, the Lightning, but they were right there on the cusp with Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz is one of the best in the game. Uh, I believe he's third and wins at just over 900. He's a terrific coach, and I don't think the Islanders are going to find him much better. So it was a very surprising move to me that they they decided to move on from a great coach and Barry Trot. And then what else happened yesterday? The Penguins put the Rangers on the brink. So many people pegging the Rangers, the odds makers have the Rangers as the favorites, you know, betting favorites to win, uh, money lines on the Rangers. And the Penguins have put them on the brink. Penguins are up 3-1 after two consecutive games, scoring seven goals in yesterday, absolutely routing them 7-2, chasing Igor Shesterkin. Right again, chased him out of the first period in game three. Game four chased him out game four. And to me, this has been a terrible series by Igor, who the Penguins have uh, dispatched him. Uh, the most likely Vesna Trophy winner is the best goalie in the league. Has looked like a far cry from that, who some actually considered the Hart Trophy is the MVP in the league. No, 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 no. I know it's a regular season award, but I'm sorry. He cannot win the Hart Trophy. You want to give him the Vesna, that's fine. He did have a terrific regular season. But he is not carrying the Rangers in this postseason. The Penguins are absolutely dominating the Rangers. I love it. To me, it's reminiscent of what happened five years ago in 2016. This was the first-round matchup. However, Penguins had the home ice advantage, but the Penguins ran King Henrik out of the building, chased him in two games as well, games four and five. Game one went to Pittsburgh, two to uh, the Rangers, and then the Penguins won the last three, and they won the series in five. This is what I said about Pittsburgh. I said the Penguins were going to give the Rangers that gentleman sweep, and this isn't the official gentleman sweep of, you know, winning the first three, losing the fourth, and winning the fifth. This is about as close to gentlemanly as you can get in that you win one, you lose the second one, and then you win the next three. I expect the Penguins to win and close out this series tomorrow. They have dominated uh, offensively. They have the high-danger scoring areas. Louis Domingue has made timely saves. The defense has stepped up at times. But this offense, it's just too good. And... I am sick and tired of the Sidney Crosby disrespect. The fact that ESPN put him at, I believe, player 19 out of the 20 players you want to or out of the 50 players come this postseason who you want to have, 19, the only player, you know, aside from other Penguins on the team like the Gensels and uh, the Malkins, the Tangs, and all save Flurry as well, who's on the wild now, but who's had multiple championships, Jeff Carter as well on this team. This team is built up of championship DNA. That's what it is. for. So for Crosby to get this disrespect, uh, who's a player at 34, uh, 35 years old, is 19th, 18th, 9th, uh, my bad, his 17th year, uh, and has just been absolutely great. Nine points through these first four games, has been dominant, been the best player in the playoffs, is now the sticks most points ever 
in postseason history is just terrific, and he's just adding to records. He is the LeBron of the uh, NHL, where he's deemed as, you know, not as good, his watch, his skill set. But guess what? He's going up against a younger Mika Zibanejad in every game, and he's destroying him. He's winning the faceoffs. He's taking his lunch money. He's neutralizing him. The disrespect on Sidney Crosby has got to stop because, well, Connor McDavid can put up individual great success. Uh, McKinnon, great individual success. McDavid, individual success. Crosby has the individual success, but he makes everybody on his team better. Jake Gensel, great player. But would he be the same player without Crosby? Probably not. Brian Rust, the same. Uh, Crosby is just that guy to elevate the play of others. I liken him also to Tom Brady, who, again, makes everyone better. LeBron is the pass first, make everyone better. Sydney is the same, but Sydney gets disrespected, and he just lets, you know, he doesn't talk. He just lets his play speak for itself, and he's been absolutely fantastic in the series. Uh, just taking a stranglehold on it. And I believe, you know, they'll win a game five. And like I said, uh, as close to a gentlemanly sweep as you can get. And the one team I really wanted out of the playoffs, just by default, the Rangers, because it's my Penguins playing them, might just get my wish right there. And then the Avalanche, the only sweep we had, the Avalanche sweep of Predators, uh, was expected. I was thinking that uh, Colorado, you know, just too good for Nashville. So congratulations to them. They move on. They get plenty of rest. They give Darcy Kemper a couple days rest who injured his eye uh, in game three. This benefits them. But tonight there are four games. They're all 2-2. Every series is 2-2 except the sweep of the Avalanche and my Penguins are up 3-1. But here we got the Bruins Hurricanes, game five. I'm rolling with the Bruins. I really like the past two games, how Marchand's been involved. This top line with him and Bergeron have been good. The power play has been going. The penalty kill has been good. If Bruins can sustain this in Carolina, it's very favorable to go back home in Boston and win. I think Boston has turned the series on its head. I like Boston to win this game. Another game five, series 2-2. Lightning and Maple Leafs. These teams have alternated. Win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Game five. That makes it to where it's now Toronto series. They have the home ice. Uh, Like I said, they just lost the last one. That would mean they win this one. Uh, And this series, you know, has really, there's been no close games. It's been Maple Leafs shut them out. Lightning dominate with five goals. Maple Leafs do the same thing, five goals, and Lightning just gets seven, one up them. So this series, you know, has been very push and pull. Uh, No close games at all. I don't know if we see a close game tonight, but I do like the Maple Leafs uh, to win this one. Back at home, to me, this is the first time I felt really good in the Maple Leafs in their series. Uh, A lot of years, you know, they've just had bad draws, most of that being the Bruins and even the Blue Jackets, I thought matched up better than them. Uh, I really do like the Maple Leafs in this series and still to win tonight. Then Bruins Wild. Blue surprised me by winning uh, game four in such a 
a big fashion to even up this series. I thought Wild could really be up 3-1. Fleury has got to play better. Uh, He does. If not, Cantal, it might be seeing a more appearance uh, as well. But I think Fleury, he steps it up in big games. It's the Blues, Bennington, rewound the clock in the last game. Uh, Looked to me like he was, uh, you know, playing like he did against the Bruins in 2019. Uh, If he plays like that, they can go to the Stanley Cup because that's exactly what Bennington did in that run for the Blues. Uh, We just haven't seen long stretches of that. But he's definitely capable of stealing a game like Fleury is. So it's going to come down to the goaltending. Who is the better goaltender tonight? I'm still going with the Wild. And another goalie who also rewound the clocks. Quick, Jonathan Quick of the Kings. Last game, you know, allowed like eight goals in game uh, three. Game three, game four, pitches a shutout against Connor McDavid and these Oilers. I picked the Kings to win this series. I still like the Kings in this series. I think they win this game. Uh, steal the momentum. Uh, again, one last run, Dustin Brown. This is it for him. Who knows how long Andre Kopitar has, how long Drew Doughty has, or even Jonathan Quick for that matter. Uh, but, you know, we see this, you know, the Kings core, the Bruins core, the Penguins core. It's a little aging, but they are playing their hearts out there, having fun. The Kings are doing that. They've also got it, uh, some young blood infused in them as well with uh, Kempe and others. So I like the Kings in this series. You know, it's worrisome if you give the Oilers a lot of uh, chances on the power play because sooner or later they will score. And when they score and get hot, they can score in bunches. But I'm still rolling with the Kings uh, to win this game. This has been Unbothered with Josh Morani. I'll talk to you all soon. Bye, everybody.